Looking for insightful and heartfelt conversations about social justice, activism, and innovation? I'm glad to recommend the podcast All Inclusive with Jay Rudderman. Hosted by Jay Rudderman, a social activist and philanthropic leader in diversity and social justice. Every other Monday, Jay interviews leaders and experts on the latest news, technology, and advocacy for a more socially just world. Hear leaders like PBS NewsHour's Judy Woodruff discuss her remarkable career in journalism and work in disability advocacy. Curb Your Enthusiasm's Cheryl Hines on inclusion in Hollywood. Fran Drescher talk about the nanny's resurgence and her mission to save lives through her nonprofit Cancer Schmancer. In order to create an innovative future, honest discussions must be held. All Inclusive will inspire you to keep learning and to take action to build a positive future. Listen to All Inclusive wherever you're listening right now. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. If you're tuning in for the first time, here's the deal. Every weekday, we're telling the stories of women from around the world and throughout history who you may not know about but should. Each month is themed. This month, we're talking about troublemakers and villains. We're covering stories from across a spectrum, from women who made good trouble to women who thrived in illicit industries to villains in the truest sense of the word. All of the women we're covering had a major impact on the societies in which they lived. Women, like men, have played good and bad roles in human history. To gloss over women who we find less than inspiring is to accept a diminished and inaccurate place in the historical record. Our story today contains violence, so if you're listening with young children, you may want to sit this one out. In 1933, an undeveloped roll of film was left behind in the aftermath of a shootout in a small apartment in Joplin, Missouri. On it, police and journalists found photographs depicting the lives of two of America's most wanted criminals, a young couple suspected of multiple robberies, holdups, and murders across the Midwest. The photos formally introduced the country to Bonnie and Clyde, a man in a dark suit and a slight young woman holding a cigar between her teeth. Today, we're talking about one half of that famous couple, Bonnie Parker. Bonnie was born Elizabeth Parker on October 1, 1910, in Rowena, Texas. She was the second of three children born to Emma and Charles Parker. When Bonnie was four years old, her father passed away, and her mother, Emma, moved the family to a suburb known as Cement City to live with Bonnie's grandparents. At school, Bonnie was an honors student with a love for poetry and literature. She dreamt of one day becoming an actress. In 1926, just a few days before her 16th birthday, Bonnie married her classmate, Roy Thornton. She was so enamored with him that she got a tattoo of his name on her thigh. But the marriage soon fell apart. Roy was physically abusive, and in 1929, he was sentenced to five years in prison for robbery. Bonnie and Roy never actually divorced, but they wouldn't see each other again. Bonnie worked at a local cafe until January of 1930, when she met Clyde Barrow. Bonnie was 19, and Clyde was 20. By that point, Clyde was already wanted by authorities for several armed robberies. 
From the start, their partnership was marked by Clyde's time in and out of jail. He was arrested and convicted of several criminal charges, but didn't spend long behind bars before Bonnie smuggled him a gun on a visit. Clyde broke free, but was captured a week later and was sentenced to 14 years of hard labor at Eastham State Farm. Eastham had notoriously harsh conditions for inmates, and Clyde was sexually assaulted by another inmate. In 1932, Clyde was released from prison after his mother secured his parole, but not before he cut off one of his toes trying to lessen his sentence for labor. After Clyde and Bonnie reunited, Bonnie joined the Barrow Gang on its next crime spree. Soon thereafter, she was captured in a failed robbery. During her two months in prison, Bonnie turned to poetry. Among her poems was a semi-autobiographical piece called Suicide Sal, about a young girl whose boyfriend brings her into a life of crime. At her hearing, Bonnie told the court that she'd been kidnapped by the Barrow Gang and was released from custody. Once freed, Bonnie rejoined the crew. Over the course of the next two years, the gang's crime spree attracted the attention of law enforcement agencies across several states and eventually the FBI. The Barrow Gang mostly conducted small-time robberies and holdups, but they were also responsible for several civilian and law enforcement deaths. In 1933, that roll of film from the Joplin, Missouri apartment made Bonnie and Clyde famous across the country. The photos put faces to previous reports on their crimes and made the two into characters. Bonnie, especially, captured imaginations as a female outlaw. She was about four foot 10 and weighed 85 pounds, but she appeared in these photos smoking cigars and playfully pushing a shotgun to Clyde's chest. The couple also brought the idea of extramarital sex into the public eye. They were a young, unmarried couple traveling together. For some, Bonnie and Clyde became folk heroes. But the Barrow gang lived far from a glamorous life. In June, during another narrow escape, Clyde drove their car down an embankment. The crash burst the engine, and Bonnie's leg was badly burned by battery acid. She walked with a severe limp for the rest of her life. In 1934, the gang was being pursued by a posse of law enforcement officials in Oklahoma, when Henry Methvin, a member of the Barrow Gang, murdered a police officer. On the morning of May 23, 1934, Bonnie and Clyde were alone when they drove into a police ambush on Highway 154 in Louisiana. They were immediately killed by a barrage of bullets, more than 160 shots, according to reports. Bonnie was 23 years old. The ambush was reportedly set up by Henry Methvin's father, who wanted leniency for his son. By the time of their deaths, Bonnie and Clyde were so famous that people stormed their car to steal souvenirs, including one of Clyde's ears. The couple wished to be buried side by side. Instead, their bodies were buried separately in their families' respective cemeteries. Thousands attended their funerals, and newspapers printed extra editions to cover the events. The couple has continued to be romanticized long after their deaths. Well, I'm Miss Bonnie Parker, and this here's Mr. Clyde Barrow. The car they drove into the ambush is still on display at Whiskey Pete's Resort and Casino. Throughout their lives, Bonnie and Clyde remained in constant contact with their families. 
A few weeks before their deaths, Bonnie gave her mother a poem called The Trail's End, which seemed to foretell the end of their crime spree. It reads, Someday they'll go down together, and they'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief, to the law a relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. All month, we're talking about troublemakers and villains. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.